0: Good morning, Spring House. Good morning, those that watch online. It's good to have you with us, Michael. If you'll just stay right there for a little bit. Did this in the first gathering. Why does he always cry? <laughs> um, anybody going through anything? Anybody been sick lately? Anything weighing heavy on your minds? work situations, relationships. I know just today I've heard that there's going to be somebody that has to have a hip replacement. I've heard that somebody is uh, sitting in the hospital. In fact, I went and saw them. They're in ICU room 12 with ketoacidosis, something along the line. I just know that there is stuff. There is stuff going on in people's lives. But aren't we glad that we have a father? Aren't we glad that we have a savior that is touched by our infirmities and he knows what it is that we go through and he's moved with compassion toward us and he seeks to answer our prayers. I got turned on the Oswald Chambers about 16 years ago and I've I read it every year so you'd think I'd have it memorized but I'm not that smart. So I have to do it every year to remember what I read last year. But I read something again February of this year at the beginning. And it's been hounding me for the last 10 days. And I just want to share that with you. Because sometimes I don't know about you, but when I pray, I start asking God for answers. And that's not the key to prayer. Whenever the insistence is on the point that God answers prayer, we are off track. This is February 7th. The meaning of prayer is that we get hold of God, not the answer. Because here's the deal. Too many times we seek the answer versus the giver of the answer. He knows what's best for us. He knows the timing that it needs to take place. He knows the way and the method it needs to take place. But... The most important thing is not the answer we seek, it's the giver. We get too, uh, let me rephrase that. Maybe y'all got this down. I get too caught up looking for his hand than his face. When the the answer is this, if I'll seek his face, I'll receive the rest of it because then he's gonna freely give. So if that's you this morning and you're in something, I don't know what it is, but if you're in something, will you just yield? Will you yield this morning? Raise your hands. Father God, we come to you because you are a good God. And we don't understand the depth of the meaning of that word good, but you are a good God. And your word says you watch over it to perform it in our lives, Lord. So today God, We come broken, we come in despair, we come hopeless, we come tainted and tattered and torn and dirty and filthy in our righteousness, God. But we seek your face. Give us the spirit of Mary that we would sit at your feet, God. And not look for your hands, but we look for your presence. Because in your presence is a fullness of joy. God, and when we draw close to you, you draw close to us, and you buoy us up, and you hold us up in your right hand, God. hear the cry of your people today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Today's going to be a little different. Um, I apologize now. I got through first service in about 28 minutes, so we might run quick today. Part of that's not so much that I don't have a lot to say, but yesterday, the bikers I work with had a chili cook-off, and it's bad when the pastor is the first one at the bar, isn't it? I beat all the bikers to the bar yesterday. I was the first one in the, well, not the first one, the bartender and her helper, but I was the first one. I'm knocking on the door. It was locked, and I said, hey, where's everybody at? So I beat them to the bar. I had nine shots of chili, two-ounce cups of chili. Because we had eight different pots. You know what? A cup of chili or a, a shot of chili is okay. But when you got eight different ones, some of them were hot and some of them were not. But they were, they were chili. <laughs> and then you could buy a flight. You could buy four bowls for $10. And so I had four bowls of chili. Four cans of Diet Dew, because I've, thank God I've changed from sun drop to Diet Dew. There's zero calories in Dew. So I got them to make that conversion for me. But then, like a dummy, I said, hey, bring me some of them creakle cut fries, and I'll make chili cheese fries. And I thought it was going to hit me last night, but it hadn't hit yet, so be warned today. Um, (laughs) For the person that told me this morning that I'm channeling my inner Patrick Mahomes with my... A thing because he I'm no and for the person that was older and this is for people 50 and older that said I look like Robert Tilton because of my haircut honey I need a haircut Wednesday I want it spiky again if you're from the old generation name it claim it and the televangelist somebody said I had a Robert Tilton haircut so um, I don't know about that um, two quick things we had we've got 37 people signed up to go to Mexico If you are praying about this, you need to see me ASAP because I'm going to have to cut it off at 50. So, uh, wow, Alan, you're going to have to cut a mission strip to 50. Who knew? But God has put the people, so if you're interested, see me soon. And then next Sunday, we'll talk about uh, first responders. So that's right after service. If you hadn't registered, come on anyway, and we'll talk about that. So all that being done, hallelujah. Oh, we'll still get out of here by 1240, 1145. (laughs) I'm not making a promise. If you would, let's stand and read the word today. Hey, they fixed me. Thank you. As Pastor Kevin and Miss Vonda says, with gusto. All right. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. In Colossians, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Father, thank you that you are the God of compassion. And Lord, what's more, your son modeled that out for us. So today, Lord, we ask you to pour into our spirit, let your word remain, let my foolishness go away, and Lord, teach us your ways today in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So if you're looking for slides today, that was your two. That's all you get today. No clicker, boy, I'm not, don't tell Pastor Kevin, don't tell Pastor Ronnie, but boy, I feel so liberated. Y'all better watch out. I don't have to worry about half of my time whenever I get to speak, I'm worried about it in my clicking. Y'all ain't got to worry about that today. Now you just got to worry about if I can scroll and read. Help him, Lord. Listen, we serve a God who is full of compassion. From the very beginning with Adam and Eve, when they fell prey to sin in the garden, to the Hebrew children who were captive in Egypt, and God, it says the word said, he heard their cries and was moved, and he brought a deliverer through Moses, all the way to Jesus, hanging on the cross and bearing the sin of humanity, though he was blameless and perfect because of the compassion and the obedience he had to his father. All through Scripture, we see the compassion of God bleeding through. Now listen, that being said, we all should know that God's compassion, like his grace, is something we can't earn. It's it's something that he chooses to give to us. And if that's the case, Alan, in your filthiness when you receive the compassion of God, it should be easy for me to be able to give compassion to somebody else, no matter what it is. It should be. But yet, somehow I seem to put conditions and qualifications and requirements on the amount of compassion that I give to somebody. It's easy to be compassionate toward Renee. 35 years this May. Hallelujah. She's put up with me. God bless her. Grace. Grace. It's easy to give compassion to my children because I love my kiddos, 30 and 25. I love my kids. It's easy to be compassionate with them. I'll be honest with you, it's pretty easy to be compassionate with most of you. That was supposed to be a laughter. <laughs> In my notes, I've got a bracket. Maybe they'll laugh. So we'll. No, I'm kidding. He's preaching, he's talking. But there are so many times where I will put a distinction or a qualification on whether I truly am compassionate to somebody. See, and and this, uh, Pastor Barbie gave me a great word between services, and I want to share it now before I lose it. There is a difference between sympathy, empathy, and compassion. And the difference is this, I can empathize with somebody in a time of sorrow or struggle, I can be sympathetic towards somebody in a a, a difficult situation. But compassion requires an action on my part. Empathy is a feeling. Sympathy is a thought. But genuine compassion requires an action on my part. And we see all through Scripture. Lord, I don't know. Boy, help me stay with notes somehow. We see all through Scripture that God the Father, when moved with compassion, created a reaction. The word or phrase compassion happens 43 times in Scripture. 22 in the Old Testament, 21 in the New. Specifically that phrase. But there are new, I got exhausted trying to look them all up of phrases like feels like or moved with or stirred within there are so many passages littered throughout the scriptures of God the father and Jesus Christ and others his disciples reflecting that compassion now here's the thing <clears throat> we say we w- words are tricky aren't they i remember f- how many years ago justin Five, six years ago, he preached about words are hard. We just use so many words in our vocabulary. Sometimes we really forget the true meaning or the depth that's contained in a word. So I had to look up the word compassion because Alan thought with his big 12th grade education that he knew what it meant. And I want to jump back to some scripture. The Hebrew word that is most often connected with the word we translate as compassion. It, it, it comes from a derivative, a root word that means, and we'll read it to you so I get it right, a word related to a mother's womb, suggesting the depth of God's compassion for us is likened to a mother's care for her child within a womb. Now, I've never given birth. I look like I'm about seven months pregnant, but but I've never gone through that process, but I've watched my wife and I've seen other women that have. And here's what I know. There is something about that life within that womb for that mother that there is just a connection on such a deep, guttural level. And when that, that life is growing within that womb, and they start to feel that baby move, and when they're speaking and that baby responds within that womb, there is such a depth and connection to that child that that mother has. That when that child is born, no matter how excruciating, no matter how painful childbirth may be, when that child is put in that mother's arm and she puts it to the bosom, that mother would fight through heaven and hell to protect that child from any pain or injury that it could ever... She would do anything she could to take away any pain or suffering that child may ever endure. That is what compassion is from the Father God. That is how he feels about humanity. And there are so many Old Testament scriptures that bear that witness. Let me give you just a few. The psalmists have several. Psalm 103 As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who revere him. Psalm 86, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Isaiah 30, 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious. He yearns, he earnestly desires to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice and blessed are those who wait for him. Too many times we don't have the patience to wait on God in our situation to allow him to come through with his compassion. Nehemiah 9, I'm, I'm not real educated with grammar. The word before, is it, an adverb or an adjective, whatever it describes something. It says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great, com-. we just read right through that, great compassion, Do you know what that word great means right there? According to your huge, ample, elaborate, remarkable, grand, superior, that kind of passion God the Father has for us, that he would blot out our iniquities. Lamentations, we don't like to spend time there, but there is such a great verse in there. Lamentations 3.22 says, because of the Lord's Great, use all those definitions. Love, we're not consumed for his compassions never fail. Never fail. God's compassions never lose strength. They never fall short. They never fade away. They never stop functioning. They never become deficient or disappoint in our expectation. And if that wasn't enough, He says they're new every morning. They never run out toward us. It don't matter what hell you've lived through. It don't matter what life you're in. It don't matter what hardship you're going through. When you rise up in the morning, God's compassion is there waiting for you. New every morning. I don't know know about you, but I've used up my grace and compassion with some people in this life. I've burnt bridges, and that ran out in those relationships, but God's compassion never failed. They'll never fail. Well, those are Old Testament, preacher. What about the New Testament? What about Jesus? Well, what about Jesus? Hebrews 1, long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways, In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, and through him, he made the universe. He, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact expression of his nature. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. John recounts the occurrence with the disciples, and he's telling them, that, that he and the Father are one. Those seen the Father, see me. And Philip says, when have we seen the Father? And Jesus says, have I been with you not long enough? When you see me, you've seen the Father, for the Father is in me and I am in him. We are one, which means that Jesus carried out in the flesh the exact compassion that God the Father carried out through the old history scriptures. He was the physical what, and listen, if God, if God never sent him, his compassion as a godly father in heaven is enough. But he cared about us enough that he sent his son that we might touch him, that he could touch us in our infirmities to know what it's like to be human on this earth. And in that part of Christ manifest in our life, his compassion is so deep. And it cuts to the quick. There's so many passages in the New Testament. I put a few of them together. Come on, Scripture. Here we go. Before I go there, I want to tell you this. We were talking about the Word. The Old Testament Word, the New Testament Word in the Greek is too many letters, has a G, H, a K, and an I, and all those, so I'm not even going to try But here's what it means. It means a stirring of the inward parts, usually literally the twisting of the intestines. Have you ever encountered somebody or been in a situation that it just gripped you inside, almost doubled you over because you felt the anguish of their their pain, the, the situation they were in? That's the Greek word for compassion. So that changes the whole Outlook when we start thinking about, we read, so many times we just read through and I challenge you, listen, the five for five, I'm doing it with you, but sometimes we read it just to check it off and mark the little box and put the date back, hey, don't just do it for that, read it, take time and read it again and look at words and understand words that you think you know, go back and look and dig a little bit because when you do, it just begins to come alive because this week's preparing for this, when I have studied and read the word compassion, now that I understand that that depth of it from the father like a mother has for her child in the womb and the inward twisting of the intestines and that guttural thing, it's given me a whole different look. Jesus said in Matthew 9 and Mark 6, it says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and Villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel to the kingdom, and healing every disease and affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 15 and Mark 8 says, Jesus called the disciples to him, I have compassion on the crowd because they've been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. He cares about our physical needs. The healing of the two blind men, they were sitting out, son of David, have mercy on us. And everybody said, shut up, leave the rabbi alone. And they cried out even louder, have mercy. And it said Jesus looked at them with compassion and he healed them. And immediately they began to see the leper said, What will I do for you? And he said, If you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus was moved with compassion. And he didn't just speak it, he touched him and made him clean. Sometimes we just need to feel him touch us. And you know what? That's hard to do now because he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. So do you know how he touches us now? With us, with each other. We are now the hands and feet of Christ. We are the ones that are called to be moved with that guttural, deep level of compassion that requires an action on our part. And then when we are moved like Christ was moved, and we touch somebody. I'm praying for you, man. I know it's hard. I'm praying for you, sister. I know it's difficult to grieve the loss of a loved one. When we do that action, we become the hands and feet of Christ's compassion in this world. Two of my favorites Of stories of his compassion. Many of us know this story. It's John 11. Pastor Jonathan did amazing teaching in the 12 a couple of weeks ago. So if you have the capacity, go look it up online and watch it. Because he shares some things that I ha- I've seen it twice now, once in person and two in my office. But he shared something that I really didn't think about. And he was talking about when he's talking about Jesus was coming and they were traveling back because technically there's two different Bethanies in the Bible. And so he was coming to where, and he said, Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. And he named the place and he names names because Jesus was making a connection that this is not just somebody. He knew them. He had relationship. They were important to him in life. And so he was moved And we think, well, he waited and he delayed two days. And then by the time he gets there, he's dead. Why didn't he move quicker? Because his ways are not our ways. His thoughts and ideas are higher than ours. And there was a purpose because when he came, not only was he going to raise Lazarus back to life, but it was that he might glorify the Father. And those that would see would recognize sometimes we go through things in our life that is not about us. I sat in an ICU room for 14 days two years ago and I am certain in my mind it had nothing to do with me, but it was so that I could minister to 23 different nurses, doctors, and technicians in that 14 days to show them the love of God while I was laid up in that bed. It was because there were countless numbers of you that were praying for me that maybe it stirred your faith to reach out on somebody else's behalf. And all that was that God would be glorified through it. So we see Jesus, he shows up, and Martha comes running in tears. And it says there were Jews around and they were crying. And then we get these words, it says, Jesus was moved in his spirit and groaned the grief and the compassion of God. And then we know, spoiler, as Pastor Jonathan said, he raised him from the dead. And then there's another story that I love in Luke 7. I've heard it before as a child, and I've heard it taught different times. But it says, Jesus, see it if you will. Forget these comfy chairs and the air conditioning. We're in Jerusalem, and we're walking with the master and the disciples, and the people that are walking around him. And Jesus sees a funeral procession. It made me think about Alice Tabor this week. Because Ray went home to be with the Lord this past Saturday, Sunday morning. It says that after he was on his way to a town called Nain, his disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. And just as he neared the gate of the town, a dead man was being carried out. You know what I love about the state of Tennessee? That when we see funerals, we pull over. And you know, I know I get in my flesh, and it makes me so upset when I see people pass by. Listen, I've been on the way to somewhere, and I've been late because of it. But I pull over and I put my lights on and I sit there because somebody in a hearse, somebody in the car behind the hearse and people in those numerous cars behind it are grieving the loss of a mother, a father, a son, a a loved one, a coworker. And for just that moment, as simple as pulling over and putting my lights on, it renders an action of concern. I've been in those lines and seeing the cars pulled over, and I thought, man. So imagine Jesus is walking through the crowd, and he's going, hey, if you've tried to leave a ball game somewhere, and there's thousands of people, if you're trying to go that way, and the crowd's going this way, you're just going to walk all the way around until you get over there, because you're not going to get through that crowd. And Jesus was moving with that throng of people, and it says he saw the dead man's funeral. He saw the woman. Sometimes we have to just stop and look. Sometimes we just got to be able to see what's right in front of us. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was also with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion. Sometimes I see the need, but I stop there. And I fail to be moved with compassion. See, the difference is, that's Alan. But if I yield myself to the Holy Spirit, Jesus says it's expedient that I should go because I'm going to send one just like me and he will teach you in all things. He will comfort and guide you in all truth. And most of the time, he doesn't use a bullhorn. It's the whisper. It's that tug. It's that, uh. And he wants to see if you'll be obedient. He wants to see... I know you see it. Will you now do it? And it says Jesus saw her. And then it says he was moved with compassion. And he said, don't cry. Then he come up and touched the open coffin. The pallbearer stopped and he said, young man, I tell you, get up. And he rose and began to speak and Jesus Gave him to his mother. Can you see it? A widow with no husband to provide. Her only, it didn't say her son. There's a reason it said only son. He was her only source of provision, her only source of protection, her only source. And now she's with nothing. And Jesus was moved with compassion. And he gave her back life. What is it you need him to give you life in today? Is it a relationship? Is it a mental state? What is it that you feel is gone and I have nothing left that you need him or somebody used by him to give you that life back? Just as Jesus set for us an example when he washed the disciples' feet, his immeasurable compassion displayed throughout his season of ministry on earth has left for us as an example, not just to one another within the kingdom, but also to those that yet believe. If you come on midweek, Pastor Wayne's been doing a series about seeing Jesus the last six weeks. And a couple of weeks ago, when he wrapped it up again with the, the one this Thursday, he used the scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, and it said that God himself, through Christ Jesus, was reconciling us. And Wayne asked the question, who is us? The answer is not us. The answer is humanity. All of us said God was reconciling to himself through Christ us while we were still in sin, not counting our transgressions against us. In other words, he didn't quantify, qualify, or place requirements on it. He did it for all of humanity. And then it says that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, which means we are to go do the same thing. It's pretty easy. That's an oxymoronic statement to be compassionate to somebody in this room. We're almost 400 between the two services and all the children. And I apologize if you've been coming six, eight, 10 months, two years, and I can't get your name right. I, I, but I see your face. And it's pretty easy to go, yeah, I'm gonna help you. Or I see you're in need or you're moved in something and i come to try to help you. But he's not just talking about taking care of us, us We have to be compassionate to those who don't speak like us, who don't look like us, who don't smell like us, who don't dress like us, who don't act like us. Let me tell you something, a sinner's going to act like a sinner, but we're still called to love and minister to them. And if they find themselves in a place that is deserving, I'm sorry, that's the wrong word, None of us deserve compassion. If they find themselves in a place of needing compassion, it is our responsibility to be those hands and feet and see them and be moved to meet their need and compassion. And sometimes it's as simple as just sitting with a grieving widow. Sometimes it's as simple is hugging that lonely person. Yes. It'd be amazing what small acts of compassion can do. I want to read something to you that came from one of our brothers in the men's ministry. Yes. We have three or four different threads in our Pursuit Men's page. One's a prayer thread. One's a help needed page. And then one's just a thing where we try to encourage each other. And I think it was maybe Wednesday or Thursday of this week. This Maybe Thursday. This brother posted this. He said, I was walking from one area of the gym to another yesterday, not really paying attention when I noticed a little bit of water on the floor. Then about two feet in front of it, there was more. And another couple of feet, there was more water. I looked up and I saw a woman carrying a water bottle by her side, but the lid wasn't screwed on tight. And the angle at which she was holding it caused water to pour out every few feet. This had gone on for about a stretch of maybe 50 feet or so. So I called up to her and I told her, I said, um, you're, you're spilling water in, in your drink and I just didn't want you to be thirsty because you ran out of water. Now he could have said, hey, hey, you're making a mess. You're spilling water all through here and I almost tripped on that, I almost slipped. Clean up your stuff. He could have. Sometimes we do, but that wasn't his heart posture. His heart posture was, I didn't want you to be out of water. I didn't want you to be thirsty. And it says she looked at him. She looked embarrassed, but said thank you and that she'd clean it up. I almost went right back to my workout, but instead, you ever had one of those? I was going to, and then yes, yes. I went and grabbed some paper towels and started walking the water from the opposite end of the trail. And when we met in the middle, she looked as if she was about to cry. She said, thank you, yes. because I'm not used to people helping me and I could see the genuine gratitude in her eyes. I'd never seen her before, but I told her if she ever is in need and sees me here, she can come ask. You see, even the smallest acts of kindness can have the biggest impact on people. It cost me less than five minutes, but I can imagine that she thought about it for much longer. I bet she did too. And you know why I know she did? Because she said when she looked at him, I'm not used to people helping me. Five minutes of wiping them up, water on them. I don't know the woman's spiritual state. Maybe she's a believer. Maybe she's not. But I believe that brother in that five minutes of extending his kindness because he was moved by compassion to help her could be seeds that last in eternity for her. Maybe she's a believer and she's wandered because she's felt deserted or left Alone, and this act restored her hope that God has not forgotten me. Maybe she's an unbeliever and can't believe anybody would take their time out. And he did. listen. It's easy to point out people's mess ups. Guess what? Most of the time, we know we're messing up, but sometimes we don't. But how much better is it when we negate? The error in the pointing out of the thing rather than getting in the ditch and helping and ministering to them. The smallest acts of kindness can have the biggest impact on people. It cost me less than five minutes. Then he writes, Lend a hand, be the change. Be like Jesus. Don't worry about what others think. Praise and worship team, you can come out. Don't worry about the snickers or the stares because we all need help at times. So help someone when you can. John says this in 1 John. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has the material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but is not moved with compassion for them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech. But with actions and in truth, I can say all day, and I can preach and proclaim it all I want to with my mouth, but until my life reflects through my actions, my words are useless. You ever been told something by somebody and you know, you know, you know, they ain't gonna do it. They have every intention. They mean well, but you know. Soon as it comes out, it falls to the ground, coach, you know, but have you met people also that they never say a thing, but when you need them, when you're in that grind, you're in that hard place, you know they're coming. You know they're praying. You know that whatever you need, they're going to do. because their actions speak louder than their words. I want to be a person that my words, Reflect my actions. I want my life to be one that's consistent. So if I say, you know I will. And listen, I'm going to blow it. I'm going to miss it. You are too, so don't point at me. But God, that my heart would be so attuned to His Spirit that when I hear Him whisper, If I say, then I will do. And I think that's what he's called us as believers to be. Because there's a world out there, said it earlier, sinner's gonna sin. And they already have a misconception about the genuine body of Christ. But oh, that we would be a people (laughs) that genuinely lived A life of grace and mercy and compassion with no restraint, with no qualifications that they could taste and see that the Lord is good. For those that are going to pray with people, if you'd come down. Maybe you're here this morning and you're on one side of the corner or the other. Pastor, I'm in a difficult place. Brother, I'm in a place of grief mental anguish, I've got sickness, I've got things in my life and I just need to sense the Lord's compassion in my life again there are people here that will pray with you maybe you're on the other side of that Lord I blow it I blow it more than I get it right and I need your Holy Spirit to help me to hear your voice so that I can move with compassion when you speak there are people that are here pray with you for that too. So would you stand and let's worship. And if that's you, come spend some time down here with him.